Welcome to the Proctor Podcast Series, presented by the Samuel Proctor Oral History Program at the University of Florida. Founded in 1967, SPOP is one of the largest oral history programs in the country, with nearly 5,000 interviews. SPOP, one community, many voices. From the 1940s through the 1970s, a group of researchers affiliated with the University of Florida embarked on a pursuit of the Old South. The last remaining Confederate veterans accepting pension from the state represented for historians and anthropologists the final word in living memory of the Civil War and life before the nation was torn apart. Florida researcher Michael J. Hansinger recorded this 1975 interview with Mrs. Sarah A. Carroll the widow of Confederate veteran Henry T. Downing, as she liked to call him. Hansinger came to talk about Downing, but piece by piece we learn much more about their fascinating relationship, her life, and their battle for recognition of his Confederate service in the Florida pension system. Hansinger found Mrs. Carroll in Dixie County, Florida, where she was born in 1884. In 1902 and at the age of 16, her family coerced her into marriage. As she says, and I met this man, and my mother insisted that I should marry him. That's Mr. Downing? That was Downing. Uh-huh. All right. Your mama insisted. I went and, oh, yeah. So I met up with this old man, and he come in. Oh, he wanted to marry, of course, just like everybody else. Yes. I met up with him, and so he... Miss Ganey made our dress. He bought it, and she made it. And Caroline married us down there at Hampton Landing on yeah. Swanee River. Henry T. Downing, born in 1839, was 45 years her senior. Downing was a poor man, owning only $50 of personal property and no land of his own. He fought at the Battle of Petersburg and was honorably discharged in Browson, Florida in May of 1865. Mrs. Carroll voices her ambivalence about both their marriage and the personality of a traumatized veteran. Peas, beans, okra, corn. First one thing and then another. We lived on a homestead. We homesteaded the place out there. I'll tell you, I had a hard time after that man died. I had a hard time before he died because he was old and he wasn't able to work much, but he'd work. That was the workingest man that I ever saw. He, he'd really work. He was a man with a high temper. He had awful temper. Mr. Downing? Yes, uh -huh. he had a very high temper. She describes his memory of the war in fragmented terms as they were handed down to her. You see, he fought between north, the, the south and north. Yes. And I'll and tell you. The boys in the south didn't get enough to eat. Yes. No, they didn't get nothing. Uh-huh. Well, he, he said they said they build a chicken coop under the house. Yes. To keep the chicken. Yes. And he said that these there and get chicken to eat. That they'd steal a chicken uh -huh. feed. Uh -huh. 
for a lot of silver tea, wouldn't you? Yes, certainly. Had to. And uh, they said the bread that they got, I hate to tell you this. I believe it. He said where they'd feed the, the old rich people that feed the horses, you know. Yes. They'd go around and pick up the whole grain. Yes, ma'am. And wash them. Uh-huh. And soak them. Uh-huh. And then they'd parch them and eat them. Believe it. Said that's the bread they got. He had an old yellow coat that he wore. He brought home. Brought home and... and as far as his clothes concerned, he didn't have no clothes, hardly. You know, them days and times, they didn't have nothing. Simultaneously, Sarah also put herself in his place, empathizing with her husband's stance in a war she herself did not experience. Uh-huh. He just had to kill him. Oh, he yeah. was forced to do it. Yes, yes. You yes. know, when you're in the war, you've got to do these things. And these old big men started the war in the north. Yes, ma'am. Well, then they, the, the south had to take a hold. Yes, ma'am. They had to go in. Uh-huh. Some of them said every once in a while I mentioned about, oh, man, down is the end of the war. I told them, yes, had it been for old man Dallin and a whole lot more people, they wouldn't be here. That's so. Because they'd kill him. At the time of this interview, Sarah Carroll was one of the last ten Confederate widows to draw pension from the state of Florida. A former factory worker with no children to support her, Mrs. Carroll's livelihood relied on Florida's pension for widows, one of the highest paying in the South. The original pension of $15 a year was negligible, but Florida quickly upped the ante after Reconstruction to keep up with the rest of the South and to keep up with the trend to honor the lost cause. We lived together a while, and he got thinking about he could get a pension. Yes. So he put in, and he went to uh, to Trevon to uh, old Dr. Claude. And old Dr. Claude examined him, and he says, yes, he says, you're eligible for a pension, and says, we're going to see if you get it. Good. Well, they put in, then they got it, and when they got it, it was $15. It saved $15, $15, until he died. And when he died, well, I went to drawing it, and that they raised it then to 20 well, they just kept raising it and raising it, long raising it, till they raised it to 150. The large bounty was both a blessing and a curse. Stringent qualifications and clauses concerning remarriage, physical examination of the veterans, and proof of service produced a pension difficult to obtain and retain. Allegations of desertion against Henry and divorce against Sarah proved difficult to shake. In the interview, Sarah Carroll remained silent, but Henry Downing's pension files speak volumes. His original 1903 application describes his injury from the Battle of Petersburg as, quote, I was taken with severe chronic diarrhea. This application was denied. The next application listed a vague, quote, eye injury, and a corresponding physical examination allowed him to receive pension in 1910, when he was declared too feeble to work. We can only imagine the experience of a 25-year-old woman supporting a husband over the age of 70. In 1913, Downing's pension was revoked without warning due to whispers of desertion and accusation that he left on furlough in 1863 or 1864 after the Battle of Petersburg and simply never came back. 
Dining was asked to do the increasingly impossible, locate former comrades, who also in their 70s could attest to his honesty and loyalty in 1863, 50 years before. Downing, in turn, swore on behalf of others, and his close relationship with those he served with saved his pension at his death in 1920. He was a plowing. He was a plowing up and down the plant when he died. He died that night. After his death, the responsibility of the shield fell to Sarah, who had to defend herself from allegations of divorce. She strikes back when the state board revoked their support in 1938 in typical certain and personal style. Quote, I will say that I was never divorced from Mr. Henry T. Downing, and that Mr. Downing died with his head in my lap in the back of a wagon, on the way from a Dr. Williams of Cross City, Florida. Her case was advocated by the clerk of the circuit court and made it all the way to the Florida Supreme Court in 1941 in Miss Sarah Ann Carroll v. State Board of Pensions. She won. While her story represented for the researcher an avenue to Civil War memories told secondhand, Sarah Carroll saw her narrative in different terms. While life moved on after Downing's death and with him much of the memory of the Civil War was lost, his widow would legitimize and defend her husband's military records for her own livelihood, reliving a war she did not live through. In an undated letter, she wrote to the Board of Pensions, quote, Dear Sir, I want to know what company Mr. Henry T. Downing was in when he was in the services. I want to get a marker to put to his grave. Her presence in the pension records ends tragically. In a desperate letter from a social worker written in 1968, the man wrote that the Board of Pensions had overturned their decision due to her remarriage to Dengelo Carroll in 1926, and at the age of 84, she no longer received pension. The letter said, quote, Mrs. Carroll is senile. I don't know what to do or file in her behalf. I want to help her, but I don't know how. The response was a simple and muted, there is nothing we can do. First train comes through Wilcox. You know who that said? Yes, ma'am. John Luther and his wife and myself was all over there. And when that thing come dashing through there, John Luther's little boy run, little Frank. He says, there it comes, Mama, there it comes, there it comes, and she right after him just a scream, and don't go, stop, stop. For Henry T. Downing's part, he saw his struggle to qualify for pension as a gift to her, a means of support after his death. To me, he says, well, he says, as long as we're married, that I'm going to get that pension. Yes. And says he'll be for you. Good. And he got it. Good. For the romantic, this is an odd sort of love story. Found buried in pension records and oral history, and communicated through Sarah's representations of dual Floridian histories. The Civil War and its aftermath for broken people born into its results. But he had to go in the war. You see, right there, old Confederate war rose, and when they did, why they called him.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Proctor Podcast Series. For more information about our program or interviews, please visit our website at www.history.ufl.edu forward slash O-R-A-L or call us at area code 352-392-7168. That's 352-392-7168. SPOP, one community, many voices.